Chris Rodriguez is going to bring something to the Washington Commanders that they haven't had since 2020. I'll explain what that is and more right now on Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into this Wednesday episode of the Locked On Commanders podcast, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen or view of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can continue the conversation over on subtext at joinsubtext.com slash Commanders where you can go one-on-one with me because I am your host, David Harrison, dharrison82 on Twitter, credential member of the media and Washington Commander's beat reporter for Commander Country, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the Commanders. Here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, I appreciate your continued support for the show. On today's episode of Locked on Commanders, we're going to discuss four roster moves made by the team on Tuesday and sixth round draft pick, Chris Rodriguez Jr., running back out of Kentucky. And we're going to start today's episode with Chris, looking at the history of Chris during his time at Kentucky. And we're going to get into the film study portion of today's episode with the first game that I watched when diving into Chris's history. Now, start things off. Chris is a two-time captain for the Kentucky Wildcats during his time with the team. Finished his collegiate career with 3,644 yards rushing which is third most in Kentucky school history, 32 rushing touchdowns, which was second most, 35 total touchdowns, which was fourth, and 2,100-yard rushing games, which was is first in uh, school history. He's a graduate, which is very important to the Washington Commanders that they can finish their degree. Players that have finished their degree come very highly respected by the Washington Commanders. And at one point, ESPN's Todd McShay actually projected Rodriguez as a third or fourth round prospect. Now, of course, the Washington Commanders ended up getting him in the sixth round, which is where Lance Zerline of NFL.com projected him to go saying, quote, Rodriguez is a powerful runner, but he lacks the burst and creativity to become anything more than a downhill grinder. He has the size and mentality to do the dirty work between the tackles, but it could be a challenge for him to get to and through the hole quickly. In the NFL, he's a physical blitz protector, so teams might envision a role for him as a second half battering ram and third down quarterback protector. End quote. That, of course, again, Lance Zerline from NFL.com. 18 total running backs were drafted in the 2023 NFL draft. Obviously, Rodriguez was one of them. Of those running backs, so of those 18 guys drafted in the 2023 NFL draft, Rodriguez ranked fourth in total offensive grade according to PFF, with a 90.8 overall offensive grade. That only trailed B. John Robinson, who was the eighth player taken in the first round by the Atlanta Falcons, Dwayne McBride, who was the fifth player in the seventh round taken by the Minnesota Vikings, and Zach Charbonnet, who was the 21st player in the second round drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. So very, very good company to keep uh, for, for young Mr. Rodriguez for the Washington Commanders. His rushing grade, which was 90.8, was fifth best among drafted running backs behind only Robinson, Charbonnet, McBride, and Eric Gray, who uh, who was a fifth-round draft pick, 37th player taken in the fifth round by the New York Giants. So, again, grading out very well. He also had one of the best grades among drafted running backs when it came to securing the football. So, why did he fall to the sixth round? 
Well, because he's largely largely perceived as a one-trick running back. His receiving grade was 73rd among all NFL or draft-eligible backs in this NFL draft, and his pass protection grade was 30th, so not very good there either. And looking at his stats, only Dwayne McBride had fewer receptions than Rodriguez's five catches in 2022, and again, among running backs that actually got drafted. So the NFL and the NFL, we already know values versatility at running back position, really at any position. If you're a receiver, if you can play outside, play tall in the red zone and play in the slot, you're going to be super valued. The NFL does the same thing for running backs. They want guys that can run between the tackles on the edge, can catch, can block. They want guys that can do it all. So the more you can do, the higher you're going to get drafted these days. The less you can do, the lower you're going to get drafted. And Rodriguez is viewed as a guy that has a very good skill set but he's not very versatile and he's kind of limited, but Washington obviously is okay. At least okay enough to spend a six round draft pick on Rodriguez, despite his limitations, because they brought him in to do what he does best. Now, what is that? Well, here's what I saw when I turned on the tape. So the first game that I watched was a 2021 game. So not the year that his final year in college, it was the year prior. went back to 2021 Kentucky Wildcats versus the Florida Gators. Week five of the 2021 collegiate football season. It's his best graded game from that year. So I wanted to see what Chris Rodriguez looked like playing his best, you know, according to PFF grades in 2021. Again, subtexters, I will be sending you all links to each of these games that I watch so that you can go through for yourself, watch them and, and the games, the, the plays that I point out specifically, you can go through and see what I'm talking about in that game. Uh, again, against Florida in 2021, Rodriguez finished the game with 19 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown. His overall grade was an 82.9. He had a 56.7 pass uh, receiving grade, 77 uh, blocking grade, 80.2 running grade, and a 60 run blocking grade. Didn't do a lot of run blocking uh, in that game. So some, some specific plays, and it's weird because we're going to roll all the way into the fourth quarter before we get the play that I kind of wanted to point out to you guys here. And that is that takes place at 13 minutes and 45 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Now, don't worry. There's plenty to watch of Chris Rodriguez. But this play kind of really stood out uh, to me. Kentucky's up 13 to 10 at this point, and they have the ball at the Florida 29. Now, this drive, by the way, is following an interception by the Kentucky defense. So the, the Kentucky Wildcats are leading the game. They're leading against an SEC opponent. They just got a takeaway from their defense. So what are they looking to do? 13 minutes, 45 seconds. They, of course, want to put more points on the board, but they also want to start killing the clock. On this drive, five of the six plays called are designed runs to Chris Rodriguez Jr. Now, I say five of the six plays called because they didn't run six plays. One of the run, one of the plays was not handed off to Chris. It was a busted play. Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky, ended up running the ball himself. But if you go through that play, you see what I'm talking about, that the intended play was for Chris Rodriguez to get the ball and to carry the ball. And then one of the plays was blown dead. Chris ends up getting the handoff, but unfortunately it was blown dead before the play actually counted. And then the one pass that, or the one play that was called that wasn't a run play by Chris Rodriguez was a play action to Chris Rodriguez. So again, using the threat of Chris Rodriguez against the Florida Gators. And in the end result is Rodriguez scores a nine yard touchdown to give Kentucky a 19 to 10 lead with 11 and a half minutes uh, left in the game. So the Kentucky Wildcats get the ball in very favorable position inside the Florida 30 and they run two minutes off the clock, almost two and a half minutes off the clock 
and they score a touchdown. They end up getting the extra point to take a 20 to 10 lead and they end up winning that game. So it just kind of illustrates what Chris Rodriguez meant to the Kentucky Wildcats. He was a bell cow type of running back, a, a, a clock burner, a yard getter, all that stuff. But it's very important because if you listen to the broadcast, actually earlier in this season, he had two fumbles in a critical moment during that season, uh, kind of ended up in the doghouse a little bit. But this kind of shows that the get the trust was regained by the Kentucky Wildcats and he came through uh, in a big way. Now, going through this game, what did we notice from watching this game against Florida? Well, obviously, He's the lead back in Kentucky's system. Uh, best when using a gap power running scheme. Always falls forward. I mean, cons- I don't think I saw him fall backwards uh, one time. Sheds arm tackles without really losing any momentum, which is big. Protects the ball. I think that's something that he learned from that two-fumble uh, debacle earlier in his career. Covers up against contact. Demonstrates patience, allowing his blockers to get upfield before he hits the hole. But when he hits the hole, he hits it hard. He hits it fast. Sometimes, though, he kind of ran into his own men. That's something that you want to see get cleaned up through experience. But again, this is from his junior season. I also watched two games from his senior season that we're going to talk about. But unfortunately, his senior season did start with a suspension. So how did it go from there? That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. If that sounds new, it's because it is. FanDuel has upped the amount of bonus bets you can get on your first bet. The NBA Finals matchup is finally set, and the Miami Heat and Denver Nuggets are going to battle starting Thursday to find out which team is the best in the entire association this season. Heading into game one, the Nuggets are favored by nine points, and they're minus 390 odds on the money line to win that game. Meanwhile, Denver is also minus 450 favorites to win the whole thing, and if you think the Heat will pull off the upset, a $100 bet right now, will earn you $330 if they make it happen for you. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks again for making Locked On Commanders your first listen or your first view today and every day. Every day is make sure you come back tomorrow. I will be attending OTA practice on Wednesday and I will be back on Thursday's episode to share all of my notes, news and my observations. But today we're going to continue today's episode and conversing, continue conversing about Chris Rodriguez Jr. and his collegiate career and what we saw on tape when watching him. We've got two more games coming up here in this segment. And we're going to start with the Kentucky Wildcats going up against the Ole Miss Rebels. I think that's what they're called, right? Rebels, maybe fighting Rebels. I'm not sure. Ole Miss is who they're going up against. Week five of the college football season, uh, just this last season. Again, subtextures, I will send you a link to that YouTube video so that you can uh, watch along with me. Now, in this game against Ole Miss, Chris grades out total, according to PFF, with a 75.5 offensive grade, 76.4 passing game grade, 70.8 pass blocking grade, 73.1 running grade. Uh, and we're not even going to talk about run blocking because he doesn't really run block. So 
Uh, that's the grades there for uh, Chris Rodriguez, again, according to PFF, against Ole Miss. Against Ole Miss, he had 19 carries for 72 yards, a touchdown, three catches for 40 yards. Uh, and that's really why I picked this game um, of the mall because he also because he had the three receptions. So I want to get an opportunity to see him as a receiver because we don't really get a lot of opportunities to do so. Uh, and also because he was returning from suspension. He missed the first four games of the season, uh, three or four games of the season for Kentucky due to a suspension. Um, you know, and, and that's something that I wanted to see kind of how he came in, how he entered the season and the energy behind it. And I will tell you, he had very, very good energy uh, in the game. And we start in the first quarter with our plays that I want to point out to all of you. Seven seconds left in the first quarter. Uh, Kentucky is already trailing in this game. They're down 14 nothing to Ole Miss, but they're at the Ole Miss 10-yard line. And in this play specifically, uh, they're in shotgun. Will Levis is the quarterback. Rodriguez is to the left of Levis, and they run a trap play, a trap run through the A-gap. Uh, Gonzalez hits the A-gap, absorbs a shoulder tackle attempt from a safety with a linebacker at his feet, shows that contact balance, and went to the ground three yards into the end zone. So not only does he get into the end zone from the 10 yard line, he actually ends up three yards deep despite uh, again, an old miss defender at his feet and another one trying to hit him with a shoulder tackle absorbs the contact stays on his feet to get into the end zone. Doesn't go down until again, he's three yards deep in the end zone. And then the celebration reaction of that touchdown again, it's the first quarter he's played football all season long. His team is trailing 14, nothing. Uh, you can definitely see uh, the emotion coming through, uh, Chris, as he celebrates that touchdown fast forward now to the second quarter, two minutes and 17 seconds left in the in the second quarter. Kentucky is trailing at this point in time, 19 to six, and they're at the Ole Miss 20. Again, Kentucky is in the shotgun. Rodriguez is to the right of Will Levis this time, and it's play action coming across Will Levis's face. Rodriguez starts from the right play actions to the left, leaks out to the left side for a screen pass. It's a low pass, a little bit off target by Levis. But Rodriguez does a good job, shows good athleticism, gets around, scoops the ball up, and secures the pass. Turns upfield quickly. I was actually very impressed with how quickly he gets upfield, uh, despite the fact that he had to turn around and make that kind of awkward catch. Uh, again, shows contact balance. It threw a low tackle attempt uh, from an Ole Miss defender before being brought down by a second tackler. 15-yard uh, gain is the end result of the play. Gets down to the Ole Miss 5. The very next play, the Kentucky Wildcats run play action to Rodriguez uh, on a first and goal, and they end up with a shuffle pass to a wide receiver coming behind the play action, which gets into the end zone for a touchdown. So again, uh, Rodriguez makes a big play for the Kentucky Wildcats in the passing game this time, and then they use the threat of him down there in the red zone to get a, a short yardage touchdown in goal-to-go situation. So the impact made, and then the impact made by his threat uh, as well for the team. Going now to the third quarter, eight minutes, 43 seconds left in the game. Kentucky is still trailing, but now they're down 19 to 12 at the Ole Miss 26, and it's fourth and one. Will Levis is under center. The Kentucky Wildcats come out in 22 personnel, so there's two running backs, two tight ends, which means there's a fullback. Rodriguez is lined up behind the fullback, and they run a B-gap run. Rodriguez actually meets defensive contact at the line to gain, like literally at the exact spot, but keeps his legs moving, shows that power, pushes two Ole Miss defenders one yard past the sticks and gets the first down. So those are the kind of the three key plays showing some power, showing some ability in the passing game uh, and just kind of showing the impact that Chris Rodriguez Jr. made 
not just for the Kentucky Wildcats, but against their opponents when he was on the field and how they defended the team. Some observations from that game, uh, again, always falls forward. One guy is not going to stop Chris Rodriguez, at least not at the college level, and that's kind of tricky because the college level, the NFL level, sure, you might see some NFL defenders be able to stand up Chris Rodriguez, but in college, guys, nobody was stopping him by himself uh, in, in the collegiate level, no matter who they were playing the SEC, more to come on that. Still runs a little bit high. In his junior tape, I saw he was a little bit of a high-cut runner, definitely kind of squared up to the defender. But in the senior season, still a little bit high, but he's definitely better at it. Brings his shoulders down a little bit. You want him running behind those shoulders uh, as much as possible. We've seen Washington Commanders running back coach Randy Jordan already working with him uh, on that at rookie camp and the first eight OTAs. I expect to see more of it at the second OTA practice we get to see on Wednesday. But again, you see it get better from the junior year to the senior year, showing that coachability, that ability to adapt, change, and get better. Uh, he does let his the ball get into his shoulders during toss plays. I don't really like the usage of Chris Rodriguez on sweeps and tosses and all this stuff. Uh, I just don't feel like that's really where his game is the strongest. But when they do do it, he also lets the ball get into his pads. And that can be a little bit tricky. You take your eye off the ball because there's a defender bearing down on you. You're trying to set up your move uh, that you're going to make. That ball bounces off your shoulder pads. and can be a disaster. So would like to see them uh, get him getting his hands on those toss plays a little bit better. Doesn't really get to the edge very fast from what I've seen. So that kind of takes away his threat as an outside runner uh, in the NFL. The defenders are only going to get faster. So uh, again, kind of speaking to the potential usage for Chris Rodriguez in the NFL, not used much by Kentucky in pass protection, but when he was in pass protection, it wasn't terrible. Uh, and then again, like I mentioned, he has a good motion turning upfield after he does make a catch when he gets the opportunities in the passing game. So that's, one game from the 2022 season of the second game we watched in the 2022 season game three on our list, Kentucky versus Georgia. This came in week 11. It was the second to last game that Chris Rodriguez played for the Kentucky Wildcats. He would play the Louisville season ender uh, one week later, but did not participate in the bowl game as he was preparing for the NFL scouting combine draft, all of those things. So a couple of plays here to turn to in this game against uh, Georgia. And the first one comes in the second quarter, 13 minutes, 52 seconds left on the clock. It's second and four, and the Kentucky Wildcats are down 3 nothing to the eventual national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, they're in shotgun on this play. Rodriguez is lined up to the right of Levis. It's a C-gap run. He takes contact and drives through two defenders to get the first down on second and four. And again, this is the Georgia defense. This is the Georgia defense that has a good amount of NFL players on it. And if you watch this game, you're going to see some one-yard gains, some two-yard gains. And it's because, again, this Kentucky offensive line, which does not have a lot of NFL caliber players on it, is going up against a Georgia defensive line, front seven, that has a good amount of NFL talent on it. So I really wanted to see how Chris performed when going up against legitimate uh, NFL potential and talent that Georgia has. Uh, so that was a, a pretty good play. You, you're, you're, you're looking at Chris Rodriguez from a Washington commander standpoint. You see the positivity and the fact that even though he takes contact, he's still able to drive through it uh, and get the first down on that second and four play move now to the fourth quarter, 14 minutes, 29 seconds left on the clock. First and 10 Kentucky has the ball, their own 11 and they're down 16 to nothing. And again, they're in shotgun. This time, Rodriguez is lined up to the right of Levis. They're in 12 personnel. It's a left side run. He finds his lane. He hits his lane. He makes first contact with the defender, 
about three yards into the play, but then he ends up taking a group of four Bulldog defenders with him, ends up with a 15-yard gain. Uh, it was a very impressive run. He did get a little bit of a help, a little bit of a push from one of his offensive linemen late in this play, but really, I mean, by the time he hits eight to 10 yards or so, it's all him, and he's already moving the pile uh, just by himself. So that was a very impressive play. Again, shows that power, shows that ability to continue moving forward despite uh, contact. So some other observations I picked up from this game, in addition to the other observations, he's a willing pass blocker. And again, that forward progress on most of his runs, despite the fact that he's going up against a very, very talented Georgia defensive front. So I really wanted to watch that game uh, to kind of get in there. Not the most impressive game from a, from a stat standpoint and all that stuff, but I think when you watch that game, you'll kind of see what the Washington commander saw his potential at the NFL level. So, where does Rodriguez fit in the commander's depth chart? To me, I think he does probably end up making the active roster, especially if he can show that physicality that we saw in Kentucky, because going back to our open, this is the, the type of runner that we haven't seen the commanders have or Washington have since they had Peyton Barber. That was in 2020. Uh, I don't know if it's really right to label Chris as the third or fourth back or anything like that, but I say he's basically going to be a short yardage guy specialist uh, to begin with. Maybe he can carve out a role as a passing down protector if he can prove that he can handle those responsibilities at the NFL level. Unfortunately, we're not going to get to see a lot of that during OTAs, during these mini camps, because there's just not a lot of contact. And so Chris can't run the ball uh, and show that kind of power until we get to joint practices against the Baltimore Ravens, a little bit of contact against Washington Commanders defenders, and especially, obviously, the preseason. So something to look forward to uh, in August. Also, some observations that I have just from watching these Kentucky games. Will Levis cost the Kentucky Wild Games that game uh, against uh, Wildcats, that game against the Ole Miss of uh, running Rebels, fighting Rebels, whatever they are, uh, at a minimum, maybe maybe even more than that. Uh, Georgia, he, he had some really rough moments. Um, and look, if you haven't watched Kentucky football before, I hadn't, I hadn't watched a lot of Kentucky football before this, uh, do so in the coming season. And look out for Barry and Brown, wide receiver, return specialist. This dude is electric. And I don't know if the commanders are going to need a guy like him by the time he comes out in the draft. Could be next year. Could be uh, a couple of years down the road. He's a sophomore this year, so he's definitely got plenty of eligibility left. But he stood out in every single game that I watched. So uh, I actually watched another game. I, I did end up watching that Louisville game, but I've got all my notes and observations basically summarized in these three games for you. So instead of talking about that last game, which what we were going to do, we're going to talk about some transactions that took place from the Washington commanders on Tuesday. That's coming up next on today's episode of locked on commanders. <laughs> Wrapping up this episode of Locked On Commanders. Commanders fans, thank you again for making Locked On Commanders your first listen or your first view today and every day. On Tuesday, the Washington Commanders made four roster moves, uh, two signings, a release, and then a designation. They signed safety Terrell Burgess, and they signed tight end Brandon Dillon. They also released cornerback Cam Dantzler, and they put guard Andrew Norwell on the reserve physically unable to perform list, better known as the PUP. So Andrew Norwell going uh, to the pup list. Now we'll start with Norwell there. That move is necessary. One, because he's still re rehabbing his injury uh, that he did suffer at the end of last year. We have discussed Norwell every day. As you know, we've discussed, discussed Norwell several times here on the show. And you already know, I expect him to be released. We expect him to be released essentially as soon as he's healthy because the team can't release a player that is still rehabbing from injury suffered while with the team. 
So until he's healthy enough to pass a physical and be released, he can't be released or the team has to reach an injury, an injury settlement with him. Uh, and I don't know how that really works with veterans. And, and all. usually you see that with younger guys. I'm not clear on all the rules with injury settlements, but basically that's the gist of this is that Norwell continues to rehab uh, from an injury that he suffered at the end of last season. Once he rehabs fully, once he's eligible, uh, the team will release him until then. Norwell's $5.08 million salary cap number will still count until he's off the pup. So putting him on the reserve pup list does not take his contract off of the salary cap. Uh, but once that, once he's off the pup list and they can uh, release him, the uh, commanders will save around $2 million uh, in cap space at that time. Cam Dantzler is a veteran cornerback that was claimed earlier in March uh, after he was waived by the Minnesota Vikings. His release has no impact on the salary cap because of those circumstances. And really, once the team landed two top-end defensive backs to go along with Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Juice, Cameron Curl, Derek Forrest, Percy Butler, and Danny Johnson, it was pretty much all but settled that Dantzler likely was not going to make this roster. So the team is really just moving on without him uh, while adding some depth to the safety group, that safety being Terrell Burgess, a former – well, not former. He was a third-round pick in the, in the 2020 NFL draft. By the Los Angeles Rams, uh, he's appeared in 31 total games in his NFL career, also spent time with the Giants last season. Uh, and as of right now, I'm going to say he's likely competing for a practice squad spot uh, at this point, gives Washington another safety to rotate in team drills while they continue to wait for Cam Curl, who continues, or at least I expect will continue on Wednesday to set out team drills like he did last week. Again, I think it's because of his contract situation. He says it's not because of contract situation. I think that's just not bringing his contract situation into the public space for discussion, which I think is a smart thing for him to do. But I do think it has to do with his contract. Um, the tight end that they signed, Brandon Dillon, uh, undrafted free agent in 2019 and was most recently with the New Orleans Saints in 2022, played collegiately for the Marion Knights of the National Association of Inter Intercollegiate Athletics, the NAIA. Uh, he started his NFL career with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, and actually got into five NFL games so far in his career from 2019 to 2021. Has one career catch for six yards, uh, and that came against the Carolina Panthers in November of 2020. So there is your Carolina Panther connection to a free agent addition, because, of course, we have to have one, right? Like Burgess, right now, I would say that Dylan is also a camp body, some practice squad potential. Look, he, he might come in, and maybe if he impresses, he could push Curtis Hodges. Uh, to try and prove that the commanders need to keep a fourth active tight end like they did last year, and that it should be him over Curtis Hodges. We'll see. Never say never. Um, so we'll look forward to seeing those two guys at OTAs on Wednesday. I will let you know how they look on Thursday's episode. That is the latest and greatest from the Washington Commanders and our final NFL draft class film study episode for this year's draft class. Coming up tomorrow, again, I will have my observations from our second look at OTA practices open to media. We'll also be talking to Coach Ron Rivera beforehand, so we'll get some more updates. Uh, plan on asking him if he expects Chase Young to be present during the mandatory minicamp coming up next week. If somebody else doesn't ask him before the mic gets around to me, then I will ask him that. But I'm pretty sure somebody else is probably going to ask him that question before it gets to me. In the meantime, I will be back. Well, I will be back with my thoughts and observations regardless. But in the meantime, if you've got questions or comments, just throw them in the YouTube comments. Hit me up on Twitter or email me those questions at LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can always send them to me directly via subtext. As always, thank you for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day, every day, every day. Or thank you for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. 
And remember, you can continue the conversation with me over at joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders. In fact, subtexters, if you have a question you want me to ask Coach Rivera or any of the commanders players, text me tomorrow before noon, before noon Wednesday, text me and I will do my best to get those answered for you. Until next time. And you know what? Even if it's not before noon, you can still text them to me. I can save them. We're going to see these guys again. In fact, I'll be seeing Jahan Dotson this weekend so I can ask him if you've got specific questions for him. Until next time, thank you so much for making me a part of your day, a part of your routine. And if you have anything else Washington Commanders related you want to know or you want to discuss, make sure you follow me on Twitter at dharrison82. Until we speak again, be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.